Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome, welcome. Um, I'm Tom Stocks. I'm the uh, Creative Talent Program Manager um, for this. So I've set this all up um, and we do these sort of every uh, every month. Um, we've been doing these now since sort of October time, I would say. Um, we started it all off in with Black History Month um, and every sort of month we tackle a different topic. So we've tackled stigma and mental health and we've tackled, um, you know, Brexit. We've tackled um heritage and the arts just loads of different stuff which you can all catch up on our on our podcast and our anchor because these are recorded um so you can catch them up um on these but basically these webinars uh, are just us you know um opening up a conversation on, di on different subjects on different um i suppose not taboo to topics but things that need discussing um more and more which is why we've opened up this conversation today um so you know with the ctp program it's supported by the arts council um it's something we put together it's not just the webinars we also support three um emerging companies and we sort of commission them with two thousand pounds plus mentorship um support plus business support all that sort of stuff um over a year-long program and they come out the other side of it with a, with an amazing um, projects from those companies. And actually, that is opening up again next month. So if you are an emerging artist, um, you know, want to do anything, um, then please apply to the, the CTP programme. Um, that is open next month. So please join our mailing list uh, and keep your eye out for that. The submissions are open for like three months till August. So you've got plenty of time to put um, an application together, um, which is which is amazing. Um, but enough waffling about that. I'm going to hand you over to this amazing discussion tonight, who's going to be chaired by, you know, Daniel York. So I'll hand over to you, Dan, uh, and I'll see you all at the end. Enjoy the discussion. Thanks, Tom. Uh, welcome, everyone, on this beautiful spring evening. My name is Daniel York-Lowe. I'm, I'm a writer, actor, musician, filmmaker. Um, and just introduce this amazing panel we got tonight, uh, beginning with uh, one of the most exciting young actors around, in my very humble opinion, uh, straight out of Aura, uh, Mr. Arka Hain, but you can call him Sky. Um, and then we've got, it says in his bio here, is one of those annoyingly multi-hyphenated multi creators believing he has skills in production, directing, writing and performance. I'm here to tell you he has all those skills and more. The very brilliant Mr. J. Oliver Yip. And finally, um, phenomenal writer, performer, spoken word poet, actor, who I've been blessed to collaborate with on a, on a few occasions now, Ms. N.C. Chang. Okay, so, we're going to be here for about an hour. If you've got questions, pop them in the Q&A. Uh, but here's, here's some questions that me and Tom put together on the phone. So some of, these are, some of these I think we wrote down wrong, but here we go. So this is our first question. What are your ideas on how better Asian representation can be? So in the, in the finest tradition of not leading the panelists and just letting you riff any way you want. Uh, Enshi, uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk about that? What are your ideas on how better Asian representation can be? You're on mute. You're muted. Um, I think a good start would be um, actually having representation. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I think at the moment, um, it basically, like, like Asian representation in the UK is like basically non-existent and sort of where it does exist, um, it's generally done in a way that's sort of very much like either tokenistic or sort of like doesn't acknowledge the fact that like there is in fact like a British East and Southeast Asian community. I think there's even sort of like, even the word, the way the word Asian is used in the in the UK is sort of like quite reductive. In the um, you know, like the word Asian sort of like outside of like urban areas like London, the word Asian generally only refers to sort of like South Asians um, and the UK sort of like so, yeah, like the UK South Asian population. So that alone um, is sort of like 
like and from on a sort of very like structural and systemic level that alone is like massively like that is just hugely erasing erasing of our community and then also like the fact that the only like like box you really have is like asian chinese or other which is like i mean that's just like sinophobic and sort of like contributes to the erasion of like other east and southeast asians for a number of reasons which is sort of why um i think like a good thing sort of good practice like the term esea has been like been like sort of gaining traction a bit sort of last year and the year before um which means southeast east and southeast asian and i think that's it's pretty good I'd, I'd i'd prefer if we could sort of like i'd like it if sort of the uk in general could adopt it obviously it's going to be a while before that happens but i think you know it's a very good term it's inclusive and it doesn't um it doesn't alienate any of our communities um while also sort of acknowledging the difference between our communities and the issues we face versus the south asian community um so yeah that's uh, that's another factor in terms of how representation itself can be better i feel um I just obviously like it's 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 about having good representation right and not just having representation at a sort of tokenistic level of like oh like any standards we're going to have like one ESEA character right it's about like having projects and commissioning projects and work and sort of like films and tv shows and media like that which are sort of not just like you know having Asian face having ESEA face in them but also being written by ESEA people commissioned by ESEA people like produced by ESEA people and having stories um that show who we are as people and what our culture is like and what like our material conditions are like in the UK and sort of what we go through and who we are as people, right? Rather than just like, you know, um, sprinkling in like a gong or like someone doing Kung Fu into like a TV show just for like um, the spice. Like, you know, like, like, <laughs> like, like I think it's it's about like um, getting over the sort of like very orientalist conception of ESEA bodies, which still is very much prevalent in the UK media and treating us as nuanced people with diverse stories and diverse experiences. And that sort of includes um, platforming and representing sort of all members of our community, you know, rather than just sort of like um, not just Chinese people, but sort of talking about like like Southeast Asians as well, um, who like especially like who like particularly like um, the Filipino community are sort of like, you know, very big and like are very like they're very, you know, have have established a very like, you know, sizable foothold in, you know, the UK's like in the UK's general population, despite their complete lack of media representation. Um, and you know like that goes for all other east and southeast asian communities in the uk like we're here we've been here we've been doing things and we deserve to be seen and we deserve to be seen as who we are um and sort of seen for how diverse and varied our experiences are um and it doesn't matter if you know we're if we're like if we're if, like mixed for like any like mixed race people we deserve to have our stories told to um queer and trans people deserve to have our stories too and all the other intersections of eastern and east and southeast asian identity Awesome. Yeah, the, the, the umbrella of the term Asian. A friend of mine put it that, that Asian in Britain refers to countries who have cricket teams. If you think about it, it's true. Um, Jay Olivier. Get myself off mute, first of all. Um, I mean, and she just pretty much just summed it all up completely just then in, in, in that one take. I mean, I was thinking about this, um, how to kind of answer this question as well, but Again, I just want to jump on the fact of just basically there is just, I've always kind of felt that basically it's almost like BCs are, it's like an afterthought when you think about, you know, ethnic minorities in this country. And uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he's, a, he's a head of the year at um, a school in Bristol. And he was asked to take part in um, a very short video that the BBC did for um, talking about children, about kind of, um, racism and they quite rightly they did they did one short video on um, black experiences they did one short video on mixed race experiences and they've done one on south asian experiences 
and then that's it. And for me, that kind of just summed up, you know, what we're kind of battling with in this country of, of being that kind of afterthought when we're so much more than that. And Enter, you said absolutely perfectly, it's that we're... <laughs> We're talking about how we can better representation in the arts when we can't even, you know, get that representation in the wider scope, like I said, of media. It's it's just it's just not there. And it's one of those questions, Daniel, that, you know, um, I know you've been, you know, around a lot longer than I have, but I've been kind of around the block as well. And these discussions we have is like you're banging your head against a brick wall all the time. And it's just like I'm, I, I get stumped with how, how or, you know, what we can do to try and improve that. And it's one of the great things I think about having these discussions and hopefully there's people who are watching who maybe first time have come into these discussions and then they can kind of take these forward as well and kind of, and kind of come up with, with, with discussion and that we can kind of move forward with really. But it's such a hard question. I don't know, it's like there's no kind of real, real answer for me to give, but yeah. Thanks, yeah. Uh, Sky. Yeah, awesome. Like, I, I thoroughly agree with the, the, the two previous panelists uh, of their views. And um, I like to sort of share my sort of experience through like story time, I guess. And um, uh, for those who don't know, um, Tom was actually my ex-agent. Uh, he was the one who was representing me before uh, my current one. And it was interesting because, you know, who I am, I am a British Asian. And what that entails is that I, it, you have the best of both worlds. And I remember like, I had to put my foot down talking to Tom when we both signed. And I said to him, like, hey, man, like, I have to do who I am and, like, portray who I am, which is just a dude from London. And I kind of had to say to him, like, can you not put me up for, like, the Asian role? Because when you do, I, I can't connect to that because of who I am. So it, it took a lot out of me to ask him, like, can you just put me up for like the London dude? Because that's, you know, I think that's the way I could connect and find representation. Whereas, you know, I, I didn't want to go with the, like Asian casting and like just embarrass myself in a way. And it's, yeah, so therefore like growing up as a young artist, uh, you know, it is a struggle of like, who am I being, basically being comfortable with myself and going, just do you. Um, and yeah, like I knew the, the risk of what I was going to take. The fact that if Tom wasn't going to put me up for like these Asian roles, I know the opportunities will not come in, or, you know, on a weekly basis. So, but I, I remember that relationship I had with Tom, like I've got to put my foot down and just, you know, roll with it for now. And I know it's like, now it's slowly coming back, but for the early days, you know, I did have to buy a few bullets for sure. Um, and that's a struggle for now, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's great. I can vividly remember when I was just an actor and I told my agent, I'm not going for any more Chinese parts on TV. That's it. I'm not. And that meant four years with no castings. Um, the next question. I think we took this one down wrong, Tom. Um, sometimes it's quality over quantity in terms of representation. I'm not convinced we've got quality or quantity at the moment. But anyway, um, are Asian people getting quality representation in terms of roles and jobs? Uh, Jay? Um, no. Um... <laughs> I mean, um, Sky touched upon this. I was going, I, was, I kind of when you when you were talking about your your experience of kind of um, when you were discussing castings with with Tom back when he was your agent, and yeah, I think I, I think I've had a very very similar experience. I, I've always kind of felt going up for kind of 
stereotypical Asian roles and you always kind of feel for me anyway I've always kind of felt like I'm not I'm not from that world I'm British so it always kind of feels like I have to stretch really far to try and tap into that experience to even go up for that role um, and I think I would like to see and what I'm trying to do for, for myself as well, for, for work that I kind of want to create and giving opportunities to others as well, is we, we, we need to kind of have a lot more stories which are ingrained in being British and Asian at the same time, because that, that's, that's, that's what we are. And when, when we're talking about quality, that's what I feel we're severely lacking. I don't think there's anything really out there at the moment which we can kind of say you know that that speaks to us on that level it's great that we can see um ec and bc faces on the screen that's a step forward but also let's kind of the nuances that come with that about being kind of british chinese or british asian um whatever diaspora that um you you affiliate to so maybe if we had more of that then 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 hopefully that will open doors maybe Awesome. Uh, Sky? Um, I'm very happy that Jay was the one that actually answered the question by saying no. Like, I'm glad I wasn't the first one because that is, is the honest truth. Like, it's, there's, there's a certain degree that there is a yes. There's a small white cloud that says yes, but I think the honest truth is no. And when I thought about that question is that maybe in the last 10 years since I've been in like this industry I've been waiting for these opportunities to come to my doorstep now that I'm a bit older like you know plus 10 years professionally in this business now I have to like sort of rethink everything and like how do I counteract that and um the only thing I can think of is just that we now have to create our own pieces um, and when I, when I say that, like we're in a brilliant time and space where we have the internet, we have the internet, we have so many platforms, um, so many apps to help us, help us tell our stories. And, you know, the, with the power of the internet, you will reach so many different lengths in the world. Um, and what's interesting is that I think when I say that, we're, we're in a realm where content creators now, um, you, you, we will be, you know, I know that the creativity is there. I know people have really cool stories and now we just have to find that way of showcasing all our little stories. But, and then maybe, maybe then like the spark will flare and like there will be like a, a ricochet full of effects. But right now the answer is no, but things are looking up. I, I, yeah, I, I can feel it. I can definitely feel it. Yeah, I would agree. I think things are looking up. Um, can I encourage you, if you've got questions, put them in the Q&A box rather than the chat box. I've just been told by the clever people who run this. Um, Enchi. Muted. Um, yes, the answer is also no. Um, <laughs> however, um, well, I mean, I guess not, not have, but like, I guess to sort of expand on things a bit, I think, um, I think the main issue is like, like I said earlier, it's about sort of like providing not just like actual representation, which you don't have to begin with, but also like diversity of representation. Um, I resigned myself a very long time ago to the fact that as a sort of like mixed race, um, British Chinese trans woman, I am never going to see anyone <laughs> like myself on TV unless I'm actually the one writing it myself, you know? So like, that's that, and, and that's why I do what I do. Um, but this, and, and you know, like the fact is like, 
the last time when I gen like that I genuinely felt seen represented in the media or like in any kind of film or, or TV show or whatever was when I watched Farewell My Concubine, which is literally a Chinese film written by a mainland Chinese director, but entirely in Mandarin, that like about like about like like the last hundred years of Chinese history. You know what I mean? So it's like it's not exactly my lived experience. And yet that sort of has made me feel more represented than like um, the kind of tokenistic representation we get on British TV at the moment um, and British film and British media in general. So, um, yeah, I think I think it really is just about like um, encouraging sort of um, not um, sort of more like ESEA create creators and ESEA creators of sort of like, I guess, non-standard stories to sort of come out and tell their stories and giving them a platform to do this because, you know, um, we exist, we have existed for a while. I know plenty of like incredibly talented queer or um, queer or mixed race. Um, and, you know, not just my kind of mixed race, but, you know, sort of like Bayesians or like um, people who are mixed of like between Indian and um, sort of like, or like, you know, South Asian or East and Southeast Asian. So, you know, there's, there's like, there's, there's so much diversity in our community in the UK and so many and many of us are, you know, telling us, trying to tell our stories and making art. And I think it's about um, giving us the opportunities to and giving us the platforms too, because, you know, I'm very grateful to the opportunities that I have been given so far. And even just from those things that like haven't, they haven't been particularly, particularly popular, you know, I'm not like, like I, I recently, um, I was recently, China, the Chinese Arts Now Festival very kindly um, allowed me to film a sort of like reading of a scene from a play um, which I've been writing um, sort of about my life experiences as a mixed race British East Asian trans woman. And um, we like, we put it on Zoom and we sort of like, we had a Zoom performance of it. Um, and so it was shot kind of like a short film. So you could almost say it was a short film. And the response I got from it was so positive. And one of the things that like really stood out to me was like, I had like, these um, British East Asian trans women reach out to me and say like, thank you so much for making this. Like, I finally feel like I've been represented. I finally feel like people are representing our experiences. And then I had like not, and even then I had like, and I had a mixed race, I had mixed race people reaching out to me saying, thank you so much. I'm not trans, but like, you know, this really summed up how we feel. This really summed up our experiences. Thank you for making this. Or even just had like, you know, non, like people who weren't from any of the communities I belong to saying, thank you for making this because I feel like I really understand you guys a lot more. So, um, you know what I mean? Like it's, so these things, there's an audience for them. There is an audience for them. And I, in, in many ways, I feel like there's probably uh, probably even more of an audience for this kind of stuff than um, the, the sort of like 50th remake of Pride and Prejudice. So like, I, I don't know, it's just, um, it's, it's just about like uh, understanding there an, or there's an audience for these things and then commissioning the work and giving the people who are doing the work the credit they, they deserve and the platform they deserve. Yeah, I to totally agree with that. I, I see, you know, much as I kind of really want to sell out the Olivier, you do occasionally get these kind of like, you know, something you do means a lot to the one person, the one marginalised person who's never seen themselves before. And that, that is that, I know, I wonder if that's actually a more powerful thing than selling out the Olivier. I mean, I, I get it in terms of finance and box office and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, this next question probably does come with a caveat. It says here, there's a huge contrast between the US and the UK in terms of representation. Why does the US industry have more much better representation than the UK? Though I have to say, I've spoken to Asian American actors and, and they, they they complain about the same things. And they they actually think they actually think UK TV, some of them actually think they think UK TV is more diverse. So uh Sky, why don't you kick us off on that one? Um yeah, there is a very big problem in the way we see the media in especially both the British and the American. Um I'm just gonna say film for now. Um, but what's interesting in the last maybe five plus years, like I'm, I don't know if the audience is watching, but I'm, I, I watch a lot of YouTube. I, I like, I religiously watch a lot of YouTube. And in the last like maybe five, 10 years, we've actually seen a rise of Asian Americans 
creating content and, and showing us their world. And it's crazy because when I started to dive into that realm, you know, I thought to myself, oh, wow, someone that kind of looks like me, but that's from the other side of the pond, that we're both living the same realm. And I'm like, okay, cool. And like I said before in my last bit, that the internet has just brought that together. Now you've got um, YouTubers and content creators just telling their stories with just a camera and the internet. And it is succeeding, but there's a clash between um, the, the film world, you know, having producers not giving power to the, the, the people, the people on the ground. And it, it, it's interesting to see how, um, yeah, you can tell that there's a bit of frustration between everyone um, with, with the Asian American. I'm just saying YouTubers where they'll go, I, I get where they're coming from. They're saying, hey, I'm not being represented like the way I should be. Let me just do it myself. And I do, I would love to see it like on this side of the pond in the British, in the British wars, just have um, young people. The one thing, I, like, like I'm nearly 30 now and it's crazy because and like I say to like, if I could say one thing to like my 20 year old self is that your story matters. I wish someone said that to me while I was 20 years old. Your story matters and I promise you, someone will listen to you. But me being that age, I know there was, it went over my head like you know you think of a small person like no one's going to listen to my story no one's going to be interested but you never know you never know with the power of the internet for sure for sure definitely uh Enshi. hello um yeah so i definitely think that um i mean the us is definitely doing better than the uk um and i think a lot of that is due to sort of like how um the asian american community is sort of like both sort of what it is in America and then sort of how it's constructed in American society because I mean like America has like the exact opposite problem with like the word Asian that we do in the in America the word Asian refers to East and Southeast Asians and so a lot of South Asians feel incredibly marginalized and erased by like what Asian American actually means um so like it's literally the opposite problem to what we have here um um but at the same time um what was I going? Yeah, like I don't, I like while I think that like, definitely is more representation, um, and like I feel like a lot of that is just because like the community is bigger, probably. Um, whether or not it's sort of like good representation is sort of like you know very much up for debate. I'm sure like like there are like a few things. Minari was like I've not seen it yet, but I've heard really good things about it, and I'm very excited to watch it. Um, so that seems that sounds like a good example of good ESC, well, good Asian American representation. But I think generally speaking, what they have is sort of like. Um, it seems like fair, like st it's still kind of like engaging in sort of either tokenism or it's sort of it's not particularly challenging work. Um, I saw a tweet which said that um saying that like because they both came came out in the year in the same year. People, there's a lot of people who compare like the effects of Crazy Rich Asians with sort of Black Panther for our respective communities. And I saw someone who who tweeted um saying that like Crazy Rich Asians is the Asian version of Black Panther is somehow both anti-Asian and anti-Black at the same time. <laughs> Um, which I think sort of like sums up the main issue of a lot of like uh, Asian American representation and cultural production, which is that um, it's sort of still rooted in kind of like um, stereotypes about us because like if you look at Crazy Rich Asians, it's still very much like selling the capitalist dream, right? It's about like like incredibly rich like 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 Asian Singaporeans who have like hold old money and like um, kind of like you know 
it's I mean it's kind of telling this sort of like working class narrative of like Constance Wu's character but like even then it's kind of like having trying to have its cake and eat it because it still shows like how glam and luxurious their lives are right um you know they can have like weddings of like an acoustic cover of Coldplay's Yellow <laughs> and um and, um, and yeah like I mean, it's, although to be fair there was one really good scene in Crazy Rich Asians which is like the Mahjong scene at the end and I really want to see more stuff like that because I think if you just take that scene in and of itself that could be like like an amazing bit of like diaspora filmmaking um uh, for so many reasons because it's it's it show it's it marries both of our cultures so perfectly right it sort of marries both like American culture and Asian culture without sort of like trying to like escape from either of them and sort of like understand like they both have a place and they're both sort of embodied within us and I, and like that was like a really powerful moment it's a shame the rest of the film wasn't like that um <laughs> but I mean um the sort of like um yeah, I need to stop ragging on crazy rich Asians, but it's like the most visible thing. Um, I, it is like the most visible bit of like Asian media that, that's out there, for, like at for now. And um, it deserves it a bit. <laughs> um, I had like one other point I wanted to make, but I think like, I'm just gonna pass it on because um, I can't remember what I was gonna say, so. <laughs> yeah, um, no, we're totally here for you ragging on crazy rich Asians. I do agree, that marginal Oh, scene... sorry, can I, make, can I make the point? I just yeah, go on, go on, make, um, make the point. Yeah, so I think the, the other thing about crazy rich Asians that I, that I find worrying um, is that, um, and sort of a lot of the way, which is linked into how Asians are perceived in general, which is the, like, it shows Asians as being like super rich and super wealthy. And a lot of people, um, both in the UK and in the US and sort of elsewhere, have this perception that Asians are rich, which is just entirely untrue because like, like vast swathes of our community, probably most of our community is working class. And even in America, people said like, oh, Asian Americans are the highest earners. But they also don't talk about how like there is the biggest, um, like Asian Americans have the biggest wealth disparity in out of any community in America, out of any racial community in America. Um, and it's a similar in a similar case in the UK. There are some very rich sort of middle class, upper middle class, upper middle class, um, East, East and Southeast Asians, but that doesn't mean that all of us are like that. Um, and it's it, it, it erases sort of like, you know, the existence of working class EC communities who are very much like the backbone of our community in a lot of ways. Um, while also, um, in a way, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to sort of like compare things, but it's sort of like similar rhetoric that's sort of been used um, to sort of target target like the Jewish community for sort of like a very long time, right? Um, and it's also I, I it's also I'm pretty sure it's one of the factors in why sort of like anti-Asian hate crimes have sort of like gotten so bad because like a lot of people refuse to see it as racism because they have this idea that Asians are all rich and doing well, which I think films like Crazy Rich Asians kind of play into. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I do think that that Mahjong scene uh, in Crazy Rich Asians would have made a superb kind of theatrical short film on its own. I, I you know, I would it's just, it's beautiful, beautifully done. Um, it's an interesting thing about that, that, that whole wealth thing and what, what gets portrayed in Crazy Rich Asians, because, because, you know, I'm probably a bit older than, you know, like, like we've got the future of British East and Southeast Asian performance art here in Enchi and, and Sky and we've got the present in the shape of Jay and probably it's past in the shape of me but but you know I, I kind of grew up with the idea that that we were we were generally regarded as poor we were the poor people of the world you know the, the Chinese we were the poor people of the world and I've written about that in a show I've got on right now at the Chinese Arts Now Festival called Every Dollar is a Soldier uh, please book and go and see it it's it's superb no I'm talking about me I'm talking about the visuals and the music but uh, Jay what, what 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 do you have to say to that question yeah I mean it's all. It's always been an issue. It's always been. I mean, I graduated in the mid noughties two thousand and seven, and I can remember reading about Idris Elba said he had to go to America to to get work. There's no work for black actors in Britain. Um, then he comes back, you know, after he's got a name. Um, same for South Asian actors. You know, one makes it. Riz Ahmed goes over and makes a makes a name for himself. The biggest 
East Asian actors at the moment, Benedict Wong, Jeremy Chan, Andrew Koji is, is on there. They had to go over to the US to, you know, to, to make a name and then potentially come back here. So I think the what we have to take a long, hard look at in this country is why is that? Why do we always constantly as creators feel the need to have to go to the US to get work and establish a name for ourselves to, to, to get any work basically? So, you would have thought by now, I mean, so that was what I mentioned that 15 years ago, that's when I graduated, has always been the same. So I think what we've probably seen is steps in this country has gone better. Um, but we're, 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 we, I think, as the BC creators are still languishing behind, we're still waiting to, to play catch up with that. And I guess if what we need to be doing more in this country is being a bit more proactive about making our creators feel at home in this country to feel like we shouldn't have to go somewhere else to actually you know follow where that work is um i mean that's hopefully kind of what i would like to kind of see happen um how that happens obviously like i've, I've alluded to earlier i'm not quite sure how that is but it's it, it's an age-old thing um that we've just had to kind of deal with but yeah one says that entry's got but completely right as well in terms of the, of the culture is different. Asian American is different to British, British East Asians um, and Southeast Asians. I think as well, I just had a little riff on that. I think it's worth bearing in mind that I think in America there's something like 20 million Asian Americans and they, they live together in communities. They kind of come, you know, and the term Asian American itself is, is a kind of political term. It's like when they stopped identifying as Chinese American, Japanese American, they came together as, as, a, as a kind of, you know, as, as, as a kind of unified ethnic demographic voice you know that, that kind of pushed them on and, and they do have a kind of diasporic culture which I think I think we're starting to get here but we grow up pulled apart from each other we don't have community we don't have you know and 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 that so we have to find each other first I was kind of fascinated there's one question in in the chat which I thought we we we, we go to which is quite an interesting one which is from Christopher Williams what are your thoughts on the model minority myth why can't Asian people be seen as creative funny underachieving louts rather than hardworking, intelligent accountants, etc. Um, I'm not even sure the accountants we see are that intelligent. They're just good at number crunching. But um, Enshi, do you want to talk about the model minority myth? Why not? Um, so uh, the main issue with the model minority myth is that um, it's actually, it's incredibly violent if you think about it, right? Because the model minority myth is essentially um, it exists in order to uphold white supremacy at its very core, and it exists in order to pit racial minorities against each other. So it's holding up East Asians as sort of hardworking and sort of by and, and sort of saying that, oh, you know, some East Asians can be successful if they work hard. That both means that one, racism against East Asians doesn't exist. Two, racism itself does not exist. Because if it could exist, how can how can this entire minority, even though it isn't an entire minority, is so successful? And it's also what like rampantly anti-black, since it like also just, like it play it places sort of like black people sort of like black and like I mean in, in the US anyway, because like that was that's sort of basically why it was made in the US. It pits back in the, in the Asian communities against each other. Um so it's 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 an incredibly insidious thing that's like was was from its very inception designed to both uphold white supremacy um, and sort of ensure the um, Asian Americans and by extensions of Asians in this country um, don't advocate for ourselves and don't fight for ourselves and sort of like um, sort of stay in these jobs where we belong, quote unquote. Um, it's also like massively dehumanizing since what it does is essentially reduce Asians to our labor output um, and sort of reduce us to 
oh, we're only like granted humanity or sort of like granted like basic, like, you know, decency or whatever. If we do manage to be accountants or bankers or, um, you know, like like scientists or, or, or doctors or whatever, which is if you think about it, how like why is that sort of like the baseline for like our expectations of society? Why are we like why are we expected to like get all A stars? Um, and so sort of then goes like a Russell group and then do incredibly well in life. And that's sort of considered like the normal thing for us and like what we have to do just like be accepted in society because that's incredibly difficult to do. There aren't that many people who can do that. And a lot of the time, like what the model minority myth does, is, like it only allows a very small faction, like fraction of our community to um, succeed really. Um, and essentially what it does, it, it sort of violently, violently erases and, um, and sort of actively oppresses Asians who don't like who Asians who fall outside of this incredibly narrow mold, right? Which means that like who is it who is it violence towards? Um it's enacting violence against working class Asians, um neurodivergent Asians, disabled Asians, LGBT Asians, trans Asians in particular, um sort of mi like mixed race Asians, particularly Blasians, um who sort of like anyone who just doesn't fit, fit like this sort of incredibly narrow mold, which to be honest is most of our community. Um, so yeah, like it's it's incredibly violent and it's a shame that it's so prevalent in this country and it's sort of like one of the, it's one of like the main things that we really need to sort of like get rid of as soon as possible. Um, and, and that's sort of where representation comes in and where good media representation comes in. Yeah. There's a very good book by Ellen D. Wu called The Color of Money, which is all about the development of the model minority myth in America, which I recommend anyone who's interested in this to read. Uh, Jay, what, what, what do you have to say about the model minority myth? Yeah, um, I mean, I think, yeah, you're absolutely correct in terms of like the, the damage I think it does. I mean, I've a, lo a lot recently, a lot over the last couple of years, I've kind of looked back at my own kind of growing up experience and thinking how that has affected my own personality and how that's kind of shaped myself as well. And I could look back at modern minority myth, and if you're Grow, growing up in a white centric world it's like it's very hard to kind of not believe those things that are being placed in front of us and it's taken I think a long time for me to kind of really kind of dig deep and kind of find that within myself of, of being guilty of following those trends just because that's been you know put put in forward so I think you're absolutely correct in that it, I think it is exceptionally violent and and something that does need to be absolutely eradicated and I, and what's heartwarming I think at the moment um, I was going to mention this earlier as well about um, Arco. I think you thought about the internet and coming together. I think one of the one of the major positives I think of social media is that I think we're now starting to listen to each other and find our tribes, and we're now starting to realise that we're, it's not an experience that we have to have by ourselves. We're, we're understanding that there's a lot more people going through exactly uh, a lot of similar things. So yeah. Um, so it, yeah, modern minority myth is definitely a topic which I feel very kind of in tune to kind of want to explore creatively to try and kind of overturn that as well. So, so yeah, I'm glad that's been kind of addressed by by uh, by one of the questions because I think it's a really important discussion. Sky, um, I do want to say whoever posted that question, that was a really good question. Because um, and like in the last five minutes, you guys have just posted up like one word. The way I see it, it, it it's kind of culture, isn't it? We, we, we're all, ever since we were born, we were born into this culture of like certain boxes that we kind of have to follow. And like, I've been thinking like, it, for me, it, just call, it all comes down to like an ignorance of like how we see the world and the way representation falls into place is that it's all because we're not familiar with certain aspects 
of society. And then, but then the world that we live in, it's so progressive and like finding, you know, I guess pushing that little envelope and like finding new avenues to sh express ourselves and show how we're creative will eventually like broaden the aspect. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's, as soon as it takes one little spark to change the reaction, it will eventually follow. And yeah, like with, with that myth, I think that's such an old traditional myth now. And, and I can already see in the next 20 years, we won't be talking about this like problem that we have now. Um, hopefully we don't have like, we have less ignorant people in this world. And then we get to like just move on with progressive people. And then, yeah, and have a, a really open field of the world where we could have so many people from all walks of life and have different colors doing so many different things. So it doesn't, we don't, we don't necessarily go to this oh, these kind of people do this and these kind of people do that. It should be a, an even playing field where anyone can do anything, essentially. Awesome. Okay, I'll go back to one more question that, that we came up before. And this is about, like, um, people always say that, um, and I should say, Christabel's absolutely right. The book by Ellen D. Wu is called The Colour of Success. Thank you, Christabel. Um, there's, there's a kind of idea that people always say about diversity initiatives. They say, if we get more commissioners of colour, you know, this will make a big difference. And I, I, you know, do we think that actually in reality makes a big difference? Or do we think there's a tendency for people to get through the door, think, well, I've made it through. Um, I don't want to rock the structures too much. The structures are inherently white supremacist structures. How do we think that actually works in reality? Uh, Sky. Yeah, that's a very, very tough question. And it, it's, it's been playing on my mind for the longest time ever because I guess the, the problem is, is that where the money is coming from and who is producing certain like um, pieces. And because of the idea of producing and developing, there's, we have like, it gets lost in translation. And it's always that case of like, for me, I'm like, why am I going to portray something when another non-Asian person has written to me? And I, I find it is the most cringiest thing ever. Like, as a writer, if I know the writer in itself is Asian and there's a bit more of a, a closer like relationship, I'll go, okay, cool. I get this idea. I understand this character. Whereas if it's made by, if it's written by an, another, it doesn't, to me, it kind of breaks away a little bit. And... I, but I think the more positive note is that in the future is that we will see more Asian companies produce their own stories and have a base and create their own um, companies. So they could, I think what I'm trying to say is that the stories that get produced and the productions are a lot more closer to the heart for the audience and for them to find that representation that they need instead of having so many different uh, companies that go through it to get to the actual audience. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely happened in the theatre. You know, I, I wonder in terms of TV, how how difficult is it in the actual reality of it? Jay, Jay you're someone that kind of is actively engaged in this. What, what, what do you think about this question? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. I get why an individual would want to, you know, I think it's very easy to kind of think, well, okay, well, 
I've got myself into, into, into this position. I might not get all my ideas fly, but hopefully if I do one for them, maybe the next one I can get, you know, my ideas across more, but then it snowballs and you become, you know, caught in that rat race of always conforming to basically what's being asked of you. Um, I mean, for me, I think the, the, the older I've gotten, the more I've kind of felt more as a creative, it's less about me now. It's more about kind of creating more opportunities for, for, for others, for the community. And I, d I don't know if I'm looking at the world in, in rose tinted glasses here, but I think I definitely get a sense that the community, I think, is a lot more, is very, is getting very strong. And I think hopefully as well, it's like you, that, that it just propels us to be able to kind of make the correct decisions for, for what's right, opposed to our own kind of selfish wants and needs, I guess. Um, I mean, in my experience, I haven't come across or know too many um, uh, BC kind of producers or, or people who are actually in those positions anyway, to actually kind of get a real insight into what that, you know, what that experience is anyway. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully the more that we create ourselves the more that we find ourselves in positions where we can be able to kind of stick to our guns and make sure that we don't just close the trap um, underneath us that we allow others to come up if we we should get there now can i do get the sense that the the, the major players at the moment in the in our creative sphere aren't going to do that that they are that they will kind of keep these opportunities for for everyone else who deserves them as well yeah Awesome. Uh, and she? I mean, at the end of the day, like, I, the reason why this happens is sort of like, it's both like a thing, the sort of, the sort of a wider problem with the um, sort of ESCA community as a whole, or sort of like upholding white supremacy to a certain extent. But like, and it's rooted in the same thing, which is like one, self-preservation and two, money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like once you've like done one job and sort of gotten yourself into like a good position and like you've got your, you've like, you've got your, you've made your money, you've secured the bag. Obviously like you're going to want to like maintain that position, right? And you're not going to want to do anything um, and you want to want to toe the line because like, once you've made it, you've made it, and like you don't want to like unmake it. And the fact is, when you exist in an industry that is overwhelmingly white, um, it's very it's. I understand the temptation to not want to like rock the boat or not want to sort of do anything too incendiary, um, uh, which is kind of why I've sort of built. <laughs> Kind of why I've built my platform on being as sort of um, aggressively leftist as possible, uh, so that if I do make it, I don't have to compromise myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but this, but like that's 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 the thing, really. I can't I can't blame people for doing it, but um, it's uh, it's not good. And I think ultimately, it's it. I I think it it really does fall upon other like members of our community who have managed to like have these opportunities and have managed to make it to create more of like um like Jay, like you said, to create more opportunities for members of our community who haven't yet and to ensure that like these things are happening and, and they are happening. And like, there's lots of organizations and, sort of in, and individuals who are doing the work and doing really good work. Um, and I think, you know, as, as things develop, I'm sure there's only going to be more of us and um, not to get too like Marxist, but it's about like, <laughs> it's about like seizing the means of production. And right now the means of production are like mostly held by sort of like white industry gatekeepers. And once we sort of were able to do that and we're actually able to have actual producers in the room as well as artists, um, that's when things in sort of start, start sort of radically changing. And I think that um, they are changing. And, you know, over the next 10, 20 years, we're gonna see like, um, things are gonna be significantly different to the way they are now. Yeah. I um I completely agree with that. I mean, it's interesting. I I, I sat down with Jennifer, my partner, 
partner the other night and we, we kind of went through and just off the top of our heads in like a few minutes did a did a list of like 15 20 really powerful um innovative and and uh irreverent makers writers directors so forth they, they just need to get commissioned more that's what needs to happen um there was a question in the chat here from uh, apologies if i pronounce this wrong i are three lakshmi sk this is very pertinent and very timely during this pandemic. We are seeing and experiencing Asian hate and discrimination all the more than before. We know this. And as media, film and TV have an obviously have a huge impact on people's perceptions. How do we think at this moment media, while representing Asians, can be used as a tool to honestly knock some sense into people? Metaphorically, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I, one thing I will say, one thing I will say, another big positive I will say is is, is the, 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 the reaction to, of, of a particularly young ESEA people to this, I, I don't know, to this kind of like manifestation of the racism that was always there to, towards us, let's be fair about it. Um, the reaction is extraordinary and very, very uh, inspiring and very, very moving actually for someone like myself, you know, been doing this a while, you know, it's very, it's very, so it's a wonderful thing to see. And I think that that's gonna make a huge difference, but but yeah. How do we feel portrayals can make a difference in terms of, of, the, of the racism we receive that we're on the end of, and we're, we're on the, you know, the end of now, and which might well get even worse? Uh, Enchi. Um, I mean, I guess as much as I sort of don't, as much as sort of like there is like a, a sort of like, in some cases there can be an issue of sort of ped like peddling like trauma narratives. Um, I think in some cases sort of like showing people the race, like examples of the racism we face and sort of like what we have to deal with um, can be a very good way of sort of like raising awareness for the fact that it's an issue at all. Because the main issue of sort of like um, stopping Asian hate is, um, well, one of the main issues of stopping Asian hate is getting to uh, getting like um, people in general to believe that Asian hate is like a thing that exists um, and getting people to understand that like it's always existed. It's not just because of COVID, you know, COVID didn't start this. It's always been there. Um, COVID just kind of like kicked things into like, you know, kick things into high gear um and it's about creating work that can really like um challenge people's perceptions right and challenge people's presumptions about our communities or in some cases um i guess educate people on like these these sort of issues in the first place and sort of like get people to like you know have that baseline understanding of the fact that not just our communities go through racism and this is how we experience racism and this is how we experience not just in sort of like not just in sort of like the incredibly violent hate crimes that get on the news, but in terms of like how it manifests in daily life um, through microaggressions and through sort of like systemic factors and incredibly insidious things like, you know, for example, like xenophobia in the media um, or sort of like, you know, the like the very sort of pernicious use of like East Asia, like sort of like East and Southeast Asian faces and photos of East Asian people during like, like in sort of like COVID related news articles that was happening a lot last year. Um, and it's about like, like educating people on how like these things are also an example of it and these things are what leads into these sort of like incredibly horrific tragedies that have been occurring for like the past year and a bit um and how you know at the end of the day like eat like stuff like you know increased policing whatever like that's not going to help that's not going to make it go away it's about like addressing these problems at the root and, and like being able to identify where they you know how they manifest um how you know and sort of like get and helping people like reflect almost and helping people understand like how they might be perpetrating or contributing to it as well yeah, totally. I thought that that front page of the Sunday Times, which we probably all saw about about you know Prince Philip making jokes about slitty-eyed people, which we all secretly enjoyed. I mean, I think that was a very revealing kind of thing. You know, that that has been going on since I was a kid. You know, you really get the impression people enjoy having people like us to mock. You know, mm -hmm. and 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 that that's not good enough, and it needs to change. Uh, Jay. Um. Yeah. I, 
I keep following Angie, and she, she always has the most um, articulate way of just putting things. You <laughs> kind of just sums it all up. I don't, I don't, don't even know if I've got much to add to that. But yeah, it's, it, it's. I mean, education, but also yeah, a willing, a willingness for for people to to be open to to listen. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me is when you just see narrow-mindedness and, and uh, a reluctance to just want to like hear a different point of view that's that's the frustrating thing out, out of out of everything out of all this I think is trying to kind of break down in those barriers to, to get someone to kind of listen to it you, you go onto like social media you go onto twitter and you just like you get corner rabbit hole and you just like kind of see the hate that's on there as well and the bile and you're just like it, it's so draining and you know the amount of people who do have to take breaks for from like social media just just because it, it, it's so consuming um of course that's the negative side of social media is that i think as soon as you get a couple of people who will say things like that it emboldens others to kind of feel and jump in because they're like oh okay those people have got exact same views that i've got so that makes me feel okay that i can actually bring that to the table as well it's uh, incredibly frustrating um but yeah i think if we were to link that to the creative world in, in terms of kind of casting and representation in the media hopefully that part of people viewing um asians as, as being that other mystical kind of other beings that are so kind of alien hopefully that might bring some more some kind of normality to how um how that kind of responds to um to uh East Asians in, in everyday normal life. Awesome, Sky. Yeah, um, de I definitely agree with like what you guys have said so far, and it, it, it's interesting because with everything going on with like all the uh, the rise in Asian American hate crimes, and it's just like, yeah, you kind of like just think of like what can be done and how do we. And, and again, I, I, I like I like I'm bringing this word up again, but it's just culture. It's just trying to bring everyone together and try and just make to see each other like through each other's eyes and then I don't know who brought it up but like just keep educating just keep educating just in so many different ways and through that it will work and but like we, we say this because we're here in the webinar and we're all creators and you, you know the power of creativity and education like when it's done right it it, it can work so I, yeah, like to, to bring things to a more positive mindset, like I, I do wish that like from now on we can look at how can we use education to help teach the less educated to, to yeah, so that we don't have to go back to this place again. Like let's not repeat history, let's just try and like move forward. <clears throat> okay, we probably have got time for one more question, guys. Well, I'm just gonna whip through a couple of quick ones just because I think they're they're brilliant thoughts. We won't necessarily get into them. But um uh there's one from Carica Kendall here. I just want to give a quick shout out to Carica because I saw a thing she organized for the National Youth Theatre yesterday, which was which was really great to see young ESEA people doing stuff in the National Youth Theatre. And I think Carica is another one of the very exciting young talent. Any thoughts on the terms East and West? Is that terminology of the past? Yeah, it probably is. And, you know, we sometimes get this thing like like we're not a, a, a theatre director I know in Singapore. So, yeah, we're not even Asian. We're the Far East. You know, it's, it's kind of completely exoticizing. Another very exciting young theatre maker I know, Yushuan Liu. Uh, we think the British audience will be genuinely interested in traditional Asian art forms when it comes to staging. Um, 
do you think it's easy or possible to make the British audience truly connect to the performance? Will these art forms always be looked at through a sense of exoticism? I think we have to kind of reboot those art forms and make them, you know. Um, there's a couple, right, so these two questions at the end here, why don't we um, try and take these together? So Kim Nguyen says there are some Caucasian directors who had a Caucasian person in mind. Uh, do you bring your own EC, ESCA experience and research in it? You experience it similarly in all the pieces of director. Is there an elegant way to say no to harmful stereotypical roles for ESCA characters? I can think of an inelegant way of doing it. Uh, John Chu, uh, my friend John Chu, brilliant actor, is asking, what is he asking? It's gone. <laughs> His question's gone. Um, Oh, here's the last one. How does the panel feel about activism and the work of activists who wrought progress for the sector, but some actors may find that threatening? Yeah, that's a good question. Do we want to go on that one? Uh, Enshi. Oh, God. Um, well, <laughs> as someone who is considered, hang on, yeah, as someone who is sort of uh, often considered to be an activist, um, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I think it's, I think, I think, you know, activists are doing very good work and there's a lot of activists in the community who are doing much better work than me and much more work than me. Um, and yeah, like, I, I think I sort of, I don't like, I, I don't really get why sort of actors would find them threatening um, unless it's sort of like, unless they feel that, you know, um, our activism is sort of actively um, threatening their opportunities to get work, which they wouldn't be unless, you know, the opportunities that they're comfortable with are sort of like only playing um, wise old Kung Fu masters or a Chinese takeaway shop owner. Um, of course, if that's what they like doing, uh, then more power to them. But um, the rest of us don't want that. So <laughs> um, sorry, we shall continue to fight. Uh, an absolutely brilliant answer. And I, I don't think, I, I actually think that we can do, we can activist our, our we can activist for, for Britain and Asia and um, we still won't get rid of those roles anyway. So, so rest assured, people, they're still going to be there. Jay. Um, yeah, no, all for it. It's, um, I mean, you yourself, Daniel, done incredible work over, you know, the last 15, 20 years. Um, and nothing's going to change unless you're not going to, you know, unless you do something, right? So it's just all for it. And uh, unfortunately, we, we find ourselves in a position where we have to basically, because otherwise no one's going to know about it. So yeah, I think rock on, keep on, keep on going. Sky. For sure. Like it's, it, it kind of needs to be done for a thing to change. You have to be a bit daring and you have to be a bit, if, if you're, if you're making someone uncomfortable, you're kind of doing the right thing because you're questioning their like judgment. And then that, that's when that moment of like change can happen. If you're not trying to uh, intimidate someone's uh, um, judgment, then maybe, yeah, it's just comfortable. You want to make people uncomfortable for, for there to be a change. And then maybe then the actions after that event could, yeah, blossom into something good. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's become a thing, uh, I think, in the last few years. You see this, you see this expression like actor stroke activist. And, and I think it was something that a few of us sort of fell into accidentally around about 2012 at the time of the Orphan and Jail protest. And, and it's become a thing that, 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 that it's become a, like almost a meme now. And, and I'm not sure that it was something we ever really set out deliberately to do. It just kind of happened. But I mean, I have, I have a very good friend, uh, Sabrina Muffus, who's in The Good Immigrant with me. She says everything I write is an act of protest. And I, I feel like that about my writing, definitely. Not so much about my acting, because when I'm acting, I'm basically doing other people's work. My writing is definitely up there. It's, it's, it's an act of protest. And she. 
Yeah, I, I really agree with what you said about sort of like a lot of actors sort of feeling like we have kind of fallen into this. Um, I agree. I know, I've never really called myself an actor, activist before. Um, it's just, it's a ton of people are giving me. I think you on the other hand, <laughs> you definitely are one because because of like the amazing work you've done community. Just uh, um give you a little shout out there. So, and also thanks to the panel and all that. Um, but um, and thank you for everything you've done for me as well. Um, and I feel like you a lot. A lot of people in this community, um, younger people in this community, actually owe Dan quite a lot for sort of opening gates for us. Um, and sort of putting us on, you know, and um, giving us opportunities. Um, I know I wouldn't be here if not for Dan, quite literally. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't have the platform I do if it wasn't for Dan. Um, so that's like, and, and that's a big part of activism work, right? It's about um, creating the opportunities as well and opening the doors. It's not just about like um, going to protest, although that's like a big, a big, a big part of it too. Um, it's it's so much more than sort of like what people give it credit for, right? And like you said, um, in many ways, uh, just existing as sort of like, ESEA people in sort of not like non-traditional occupations like acting in of it that is almost an act, an act of activism in and of itself right because because you know if our existence in these spaces is making people uncomfortable then that is activism right and the fact that our existence in these spaces should be considered radical or is considered to be like you know um like a sort of unusual thing that's why our, our continued existence and our continued work no matter what we're doing can you know can be considered activism um because at the end of the day like, it's all pushing the community forward and it's all helping so no as i see it so you were so true what, what 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 not about me but what you were saying about about our very presence that, i mean there is a sense that that i think sometimes i think that the model minority mindset thinks that in terms of white adjacency like we can get close to white people we're not kind of getting noticed as people of color I think we have to remember that really you don't really have to do much more activism than set foot on the stage sometimes you know your very presence in the space is political you know what i mean there's, there's no getting away from that i think we've come to the end of our time uh tom stocks are you there it's been yeah. absolutely brilliant for me i have to say and 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 so so heartening to see so many people here and I, I say this again i'll say this again the young east southeast asian people coming through now are unbelievable you know what i mean like, like like you know jay will speak for this when we're coming through we, we had to find a dialogue we had to find a language we had to find a vocabulary we didn't have one we were just like you know what i mean and and now you you lot have got that there and, and it's, it's amazing but you know it's all well right. i'm gonna i'm gonna echo into you because you know you then you're an incredible um spokesperson for for the community and you know um you know uh I'm not sure I'm a spokesperson for the community. <laughs> no, but in terms of like, you're, you're definitely you're definitely someone who is, um, you know, a lot of people look up to, including myself. You know, I've learned of you for, for many years in terms of what you've been doing, and I follow you very closely on social media. Um, and I think what you do is incredible in terms of being a, a spokesperson and a, and a leading voice. Maybe that's probably the better better term um, of the community. You are you are honestly a, an amazing guy, Jay, which is why. Well, you know, let me just come back and say very very quickly. Tom Stocks does an amazing amount for diversity in the arts for inclusion. I mean, I mean, the guy just keeps going. Huh? He's he's a he's a force. Seriously. Oh, thank you, mate. Thank you. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I think the key to this conversation. I think we're gonna have to do a part two. Definitely. I think there's so many questions and answers. I'm so sorry that you know an hour is just not long enough sometimes. But that's all we. Can have time for but i think i definitely will have a part two in this conversation because it's it's definitely something that needs addressed more of it needs you know we're just a small pocket of the industry and you know and creative youth and i have these need to be more mainstream conversations and the bigger organizations need to get on board with these sort of stuff um so you know it's such an incredible conversation and i do think education is the key and teaching people is the key um because you know i've learned so much in in just this hour myself um so you know just you know, educating people like myself um, 
is is just one step forward in terms of that. But you know, part two, I think we're going to have to do it um, next as well. But yeah, thank you so much, guys. Um, our next uh, webinar um, is coming up next month. It's all about festivals because obviously we are running our festival in July. We finally got the green light. We're stupid enough to run a physical festival in July, a week after the restrictions are lifted. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so we are going to do a bit of, uh, on the 17th of May, that's going to be the next um, discussion, all about festival stuff. You can see it all in the chat there um, as well. So book on to the next one. Um, and also, um, if you have loved the webinar, and so for that, if you, what it, it has been recorded, so you can catch up later on and pass it on to your friends. And this discussion definitely needs to be passed on to your friends um, and teach people um, of what, been, what has been said here tonight, which is which is great. Um, and also, there is evaluation forms. Please get us um, filling some of those out as well, which is great. Apart from that, have a lovely evening, guys. There's still a bit of sunlight left, so if you can, go and have a walk or something and reflect on what has been said here tonight. But thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, Enchi. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Sky. Um, and have a lovely evening, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you for everyone for joining. Get home safe. What a crappy pun that is. We get home safe. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>